This is Science Friday. I'm Ira Flato. Did you know that sometimes facilities like refineries and gas wells get a free pass to emit more chemicals than they're technically allowed to? Yes, it happens for safety reasons, like if there's a hurricane or a fire, and that means releasing massive amounts of chemicals like nitrogen oxides and carbon monoxide into the air all at once. This is called an excess emission event. And it makes sense, right? To avoid some bigger catastrophe. But you guessed it, that's not great for climate change or air pollution and potentially not for people's health. This week, Grist published an investigation into this asking, are all these emission events necessary? And are the companies being held responsible for what they emit? We teamed up with Grist for this story, and joining me now are their two reporters. Davina Sadasivam is a senior staff writer at Grist based in Oakland. Clayton Aldern is a senior data reporter at Grist based in Seattle, Washington. Welcome, both of you, to Science Friday. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, Navina, get us started. Tell us what exactly happens during an excess emission event. Sure. So excess emissions basically refers to pollution from chemical facilities that are beyond what's permitted. So if you operate a chemical facility, the state gives you a permit that defines how much pollution you can release into the air. But they make an exception for certain circumstances, right? So if your facility has to shut down or it has to start up or if it malfunctions, you're allowed to pollute above those limits as long as you report to the state environmental agency that you basically did that and essentially you didn't have any other option. Mm -hmm. I get it. And, And you start your story talking about Hurricane Laura. Yeah, sure. So when Hurricane Laura began forming in the Atlantic towards the end of August 2020, a number of chemical facilities either began malfunctioning or they decided to shut down. So they, as they started shutting down, they began purging a lot of the chemicals in their system. And if you look at the reports that they submitted to the state, you'll see a whole bunch of these emission events, right? So on August 24th, Motiva's refinery shuts down. It releases 36,000 pounds of sulfur dioxide, hydrogen sulfide, a bunch of other pollutants. Then the next day, another Motiva Chemicals facility emits another 48,000 pounds. A Phillips refinery in Louisiana shuts down. Another chemical plant in Louisiana catches fire, which for context is almost as much as the toxic load that was being carried on the train that derailed in East Palestine in Ohio um, earlier this year. But in fact, extreme weather isn't even the majority cause here. Facilities might release pollution in this manner for a variety of reasons. A a plant might unexpectedly lose power or maybe a valve or a pump or, you know, some other piece of complex machinery malfunctions. And, And in all these cases, a polluter might have cause to spit out excess emissions. And the crux of this story, so I understand it, isn't just that these big polluting events happen, but they don't really get counted, right? Yeah, basically, that's right. Um, Since 2002, at least in Texas, companies are supposed to notify the state about these excess emission events within 24 hours of them happening. That basically states how much they polluted, for how long, and why it happened. But it's extremely routine for companies to claim that they had no choice but to pollute. Um, So even when, in some cases, you could argue that with better technology or safer shutdown practices, they could have avoided some of these emissions, right? Um, And the state basically takes them at their word. Um, One recent analysis found that Texas only labels less than 1% of these cases as 
quote unquote, excessive emission events. So overall, it's quite rare for companies to face any sort of punishment for using the exemption. And Clay, I understand you crunched your own numbers for this, right? What did you look into? Yeah. So so using public records requests, we compiled a data set of about 20 years of excess emissions data. That's about 300,000 of these events. And, and all told, it appears excess emissions events between 2002 and 2021 or so, they sum to about 1.1 billion pounds of under-the-radar pollution. Hmm. And that has to spell bad news for the people who live near these refineries and breathe in that air. Navina, tell us what's happening to them. When I traveled to Texas, I met a gentleman by the name of Christopher Jones. Chris lives in the Charlton Pollard neighborhood in Beaumont and is the neighborhood association president. The neighborhood sits right next to this massive ExxonMobil facility, and that whole area is surrounded by industry. And when I visited, Chris described constantly smelling all sorts of strange smells. But there's some mornings where when I wake up and it's putrid outside, and it's hard to tell who or what industry it comes from. Yeah, and he told me last year he was driving back to Beaumont one day and his phone just started blowing up. He started getting a series of calls from his friends and neighbors about a massive flare at the Exxon refinery. Um, and one resident told him her eyes were watering and others were telling him, you know, they were feeling unwell. And many of these neighbors had lived in that area for a really long time, but they described this particular flare as different. You know, he, they were saying, you know, it was spewing this very thick black plume and it didn't look like anything that they had seen before. So the next morning, Chris then told me he drove to Exxon just to see this for himself. It was still black and I rolled my window down mm -hmm. and I said, oh, it do make your throat burn. Exxon has basically posted on its social media that it was conducting maintenance that day and the event was not reported to the Texas Excess Emissions Database. Um, I reached out to Exxon with questions and the Exxon spokesperson said that the company quote, operates under an aggressive state and federal regulatory system and reports emissions to the U.S. EPA and the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality in a consistent and timely manner in accordance with all laws, regulations and permits. You speak of all laws, regulations and permits. What about the Clean Air Act and the EPA? Is, is there no protection afforded by them? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, this has been kind of a longstanding problem. And the EPA, depending on the administration, has gone back and forth uh, on how to regulate these excess emission events. So in 2008, um, a court basically ruled that the exemption for excess emission events, you know, during these startups, shutdowns, malfunctions, that it's basically illegal and not in line with the Clean Air Act. So during the Obama administration, the EPA basically said, you know, Texas wasn't allowed to use this particular exemption. But then, of course, you know, President Trump took office and that decision was reversed. Um, and now, earlier this year, the Biden administration has basically reversed that reversal. Um, and both Texas and Louisiana have to come up with a new plan for overseeing chemical facilities without allowing them to use these exemptions. Um, it will probably take a couple of years for the new plan to take effect. So in the meantime, companies continue to use this exemption. And so this is a potentially dangerous cycle to be stuck in. I mean, you have climate change making storms worse. So refineries release more emissions. And that's certainly not helping climate change, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. 
we we work to isolate the effects of extreme weather on the types of events we're talking about here. And our statistical model says that for a given facility in a given year, basically a 1% increase in precipitation corresponded to roughly a 1.5% increase in the mean magnitude of, a, of an excess emissions event. You know, we also extrapolated from a recent study of sea surface temperatures and precipitation intensity. And, and given that study, we can estimate that uh, about a one degree Celsius rise in temperature in our data set would have led to about 52 million pounds of, of excess emissions. You know, and 70% of chemical facilities are in vulnerable areas. Well, that's not, not great to hear. Navina, how necessary is it to release emissions when there's an emergency like a hurricane? I mean, is it avoidable? You know, there are certainly some emergencies when excess emission events are just completely unavoidable, right? Even environmental and public health advocates will tell you that these excess emission events are sometimes acceptable in cases because it means the facility can operate safely and it is the least harmful approach in those situations. But the reality here is that those are not the only situations when facilities are making use of this exemption. So, for instance, if you need to shut down a massive facility before, let's say, a hurricane, you can reduce the amount of emissions you have to release by doing it slowly and over a longer period of time. But instead, what you actually see happening is facilities will often shut down three or four days before a hurricane makes landfall. And they keep the facility running as long as they possibly can. And then they quickly shut down, just flaring and burning off most of the chemicals in the system. And that is basically an an attempt to maximize profits, right? Um, And then the other thing also is that even with these exemptions, companies are still routinely trying to downplay their emissions. Wait, what do you mean by that? How is that? You know, take the Valero refinery uh, in the Houston neighborhood of Manchester. Right. So in early 2022, a power outage caused the company to flare a massive amount of chemicals for a couple of hours. And air monitors near the plant showed particulate matter levels spiking. But when the company submitted its official excess emissions event report to the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality, it claimed the event had taken place over 15 and a half hours. If instead the company had averaged the emissions over a two hour period, it would have violated limits for particulate matter and nitrogen oxide and hydrogen sulfide emissions. Amazing. Okay, Navina. So what happens now? Is there a solution? I mean, apart from better regulations, I assume. Yeah, better regulations, but also better enforcement of the regulations will make a big difference, I think. Um, Because like I said earlier, Texas rarely pursues cases against polluters. I did reach out to the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality to get their response to some of our findings, and they pointed out that they have made great strides in reducing excess emission events. In fact, they told me in the last few years during the pandemic, emissions have dropped significantly. Uh, They attributed this to a series of interventions they've made, including conducting meetings, workshops, web events with the industry, and initiating enforcement action to deter noncompliance. But what is important to also remember here is that emissions basically fell across the board the last few years during the pandemic as businesses shut down or they otherwise adjusted their operations. Wow, a lot to think about here. I want to thank both of you for bringing us this story. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you, Ira. Navina Sadasivan, senior staff writer at Grist based in Oakland, California, 
Clayton Aldern is a senior data reporter at Grist based in Seattle, Washington. And if you want to read the full story, head to our website, sciencefriday.com emissions.